1: anticipate what God is going to do. He wants to do something marvelous through you. He wants to do something extremely encouraging. But we need to be daring. We need to be obedient. And we need to be patient. Did I say the P word? Ah! We need to be patient. We need to be patient to allow God's plan to fully develop and fully envelop us. Before God can do a work through you, he's got to do a work in you. Does your faith
0: give you the confidence to step into impossible situations? Pastor Dave encourages you today to not only know what things God is placing on your heart, but to actively step out and pursue those things fearlessly. Know that with Him on your side, nothing is impossible. Let His will guide all things that you do. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Joshua chapter 7, as he begins his message, Setbacks, Causes, Curses.
1: Joshua is giving us examples how we too can be victorious. And I think it's really interesting that as we study this book that was written thousands of years ago, that we're able now to apply it to our lives. I love that about the Word of God, because it is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It is His Word. It's the true Word of God. Infallible. Inerrant. His Word. So... Turn to Joshua chapter 7. Joshua chapter 7. Anyone need a Bible? We do have some extra Bibles if you're looking for one. I think all of you came prepared with your swords. I see a lot of shining, glistering things out there. So everybody's prepared with your swords. That's good. I'm glad. I always say it makes a pastor's heart very fond when you come with your sword. Joshua 7. Joshua 7. So we've been studying Joshua. What a wonderful time. What a great time. They've crossed the Jordan. The Lord made spiritual beings out of them through the memorial stones and through the circumcision, renewing his covenant with them. What a glorious time. They came against the greatest city in Canaan, a greater city by far than any other city they would ever face Jericho. Remember, we said the walls were so thick, and if there was really two of them, huge, giant walls, impenetrable, couldn't be done. Joshua met the commander of the army of the Lord, met Jesus Christ himself. He bowed before him. And Jesus said, take off your shoes for you. You're on holy ground. The battle plan was not the most strategic, militarily speaking. Send out the band. And everybody's going to walk around following the priests as they carry the Ark of the Covenant. Our kind of covenant's not supposed to go in the battle. Not supposed to be in battle. The priests aren't supposed to go in the battle. Send them out. It's my plan. They did. What a time. They did. It's interesting to me. You don't have to turn there. I'll turn there for you. But the writer of the book of Hebrews, who I firmly believe probably was the, the apostle Paul, but anyhow, the writer of the book of Hebrews writes this in Hebrews 11, verse 30, in that beautiful chapter of faith that we know and love. In verse 30, he says this, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. By faith. What kind of faith did they have? What kind of faith did the Israelites have when they encircled this city for seven days? Well, I see several things. First of all, they had what we would call a daring faith. We sang No Turning Back. There was no turning back for them. The Jordan River had closed back up. It was still at flood stage. They were not going back into the wilderness. They were not going back to the east part of the river. They couldn't for fear of drowning. They were cut off. There was no line of retreat. They had to go further. So they were daring. They dared to follow. The commander of the army of the Lord to the T. They dared to follow his command when it was militarily crazy. Do what? For how long? They had this daring faith. The people of Israel had an obedient faith. They were tremendously obedient. They didn't understand what God was doing. March around the place for how long? We're going to do what, Lord? But yet they obeyed nonetheless. They obeyed nonetheless. Like we said, there wasn't a military handbook written at that day that had this type of activity in it. And Joshua, we know, was a great military leader. He had already defeated the kings in the wilderness. He had already defeated the Amorites. This was not a traditional battle against a fortified city in any means. However, they obeyed the Lord. The people of Israel had a patient faith. They were patient to walk around that city once a day for six days. They were patient to walk around that city seven times on the seventh day. They were patient. They had a patient faith. The walls didn't fall down on the first six days. They had to wait until the, the Lord was complete and the commandment was completely done. Can I say that the people of Israel had an anticipating faith? Because as they walked around it, they were waiting. When's that wall going to fall? When's that wall going to fall down? I know it's going to fall down, but it just kept on marching. I know that wall's going to fall down. I can't wait to see it fall down. They anticipated it. You want to be a victorious Christian? Have a daring faith. Daring to follow the Lord when he gives you a command, no matter how strange or crazy it may be have an obedient faith, have a patient faith, and have an anticipating faith. See, I believe that most people in here, and I would probably say that all of us in here believe that God can do something. When we pray, we believe that God can. My challenge to you is, do you believe God will anticipate what God is going to do? He wants to do something marvelous through you. He wants to do something extremely encouraging. But we need to be daring. We need to be obedient and we need to be patient. Oh, did I say the P word? Ah. We need to be patient. We need to be patient to allow God's plan to fully develop and fully envelop us. Before God can do a work through you, He's got to do a work in you. The work has to be done. That's what He had to do in the Israelites. He had to do a work in them. This great victory now was at hand. Woo-hoo! The city was destroyed. Rahab and her family was saved. Israel had kept their bargain. They had kept their covenant they made with Rahab. woo God had done just what he said he would do. God had done it. Can you imagine the celebration in the camp? Can you imagine the celebration in the camp? It must have been bizarre. There must have been hooting and hollering and giving God all glory and praise and thanking him for the mighty. Did you see that wall come down? I couldn't believe it. I wasn't sure he was going to do it, but by golly, he did it. Can you imagine giving glory like that? It must have been wonderful. What a victory party. But there was a problem. There was a problem. Something was rotten in Gilgal. Something was amiss. If you look back, Joshua 6, 18, the Lord had given Joshua specific commands, specific commands. In Joshua 6, 18, he says, And just is Joshua speaking to the people. And you, by all means, abstain from the accursed things, lest you become accursed when you take the accursed things and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. God's command. All of the spoils of of Jericho belong to me. It's the law of first fruits, if you don't know. It's the law of the first fruits. God had established that law when they came out of of Egypt in in the Exodus, the law of first fruits. All the first fruit belonged to God. They weren't supposed to take anything. These accursed things. Many believed that they were associated with demonic and, and debasing worship practices and they were they were foul and they shouldn't have been taken but they must have been pretty to look at. they must have been nice they must have been silver and gold they probably were very very nice to look at. Everything changes with the first word of chapter seven. Everything changes with the first word of chapter seven and so often in scripture you'll be reading along. And all of a sudden, this little three-letter word comes up, and it's like you're reading along. Everything changes. Everything changes. Look at chapter verse one, chapter seven. But, uh-oh. But, changes direction. Israel's on a mountaintop. Woohoo! They're enjoying their victory over Jericho. But now they're going to start to spiral downward. They're going to start to spiral down to the valley of defeat. The wind is about to be taken out of not only Joshua's sails, but the nation Israel's sails as well. Let's look at the rest of the verse as it is explained to us what has happened. And I think it's interesting that it appears in verse 1. I think it's interesting. We're told what happens, and then they go back and they have the other narrative. I find that curious. Verse 1 says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass regarding the accursed things, For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, and the tribe of Judah, took for the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. We're going to look at that a little bit different when we get that. Someone has taken from the accursed things. Someone had violated the Lord's command. This was no small command either. This was no small command, as we're going to see. His name was Achan. Now, there have been many, many jokes about Achan in the past. I won't tell any, but there's been many jokes about Achan. But his real name could be Achar, A-C-H-A-R, which, oddly enough, in Hebrew means trouble. Oddly, the name means trouble. This poor guy will forever be known as the man who caused Israel trouble. And because of his trespass, Israel is going to suffer defeat in the hands of the next city they come to called Ai. The name Achan will ever and forever be associated with defeat. In fact, in the promised land, in Canaan, this will be the only defeat Israel ever suffers. Only defeat. So can we learn something from defeat? Absolutely. Absolutely. We can learn from defeat. Absolutely. And if we want to be a victorious Christian, I will venture to say we better learn from defeat. We better learn. And it's interesting how the entire nation now is held responsible for the sin of one man. See what he says here? He didn't say, but Achan committed a trespass. He didn't say that. He said, The children of Israel have committed a trespass. The entire nation is held responsible, not just one. Why? God told them, you will be my people and I will be your God. They were one. He wanted them as one to be in there with him. He wanted them at one. Israel was a blessed nation. God dwelt in their midst. God dwelt in their midst. Jehovah walked through their camp. And the camp became a holy place. You can read that in Deuteronomy 23:14. Jehovah God walked through that camp and the camp became holy. Therefore, anyone who disobeyed the Lord defiled the entire camp. The entire camp was now defiled. And this defilement affected their relationship not only to the Lord, but it affected their relationship one to another too. It reflected that relationship greatly know, we, God's people, we're one body. We gotta do is read 1 Corinthians 12. We're one body, and he makes this beautiful, beautiful picture of the body and how we're all one, and how we all each have a job to do. We all need each other, and what we do affects each other. It affects each other. I mean, think about it. Think about it. How many of you ever stubbed your big toe? One of the the greatest memories I ever have of being at the shore when I was a little guy was running around on my bare feet and stubbing my big toe. Ooh, did that hurt? But guess what? Not only my toe hurt, my foot, my ankle, my leg, my body, everything on my whole body hurt. Every time I tried to walk, it hurt. Just my little toe. How many have ever had an infection? You get an infection, and it affects the entire body, doesn't it? This is the example right here. This is the example that's being talked about right here. This little bit of sin came in. This sin came in. So let's continue now from verses 2 through 5 and see what happens as a result of this sin. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside beth Aven, on the east side of Bethel, and spoke to them, saying, Go up and spy out the country, so the men up and spied out Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said to him, do not let all the people go up, but let about two or 3,000 men go up and attack Ai. Don't, do not weary all the people there, for the people of Ai are few. So about 3,000 men went up there from the people, but they fled before the men of Ai. The men of Ai struck down about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate as far as Shabarim and struck them down on the descent. Therefore the hearts of the people melted and became like water. What happened? What happened? Well, we know that there was sin in the camp, but I see some huge mistakes right here without the sin being there in the first place. I see three things of this problem. I see three things that are going on here. First of all, Joshua never consulted the Lord. He had self-confidence. Joshua had self-confidence. You don't hear him... Going to the army, the commander of the army of the Lord and saying, what should we do now, Lord? No. They had a great battle. They had a great victory. So Joshua said, we can do this, guys. Let's go. We can take these guys by ourselves. Self-confidence. There was no prayer. There was no prayer whatsoever. They didn't pray. Lord, how do you want us to take this? I mean, the example was already given to them in Jericho. They had the example. What do you want us to do? But defeat happens in our lives. Defeat comes in our lives, and when it happens, we need to find out why. first thing we need to do is need to find out why. Why did the defeat happen? Let's look at verses 6 through 9. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell to the earth on his face before the ark of the Lord until evening. He and the elders of Israel, and they put dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, Lord God, why have you brought this people over the Jordan at all? To deliver us into the hand of the Amorites? To destroy us? Oh, that we've been content and dwelt on the other side of the Jordan. Oh, Lord, what shall I say when Israel turns its back before its enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land will hear it and surround us and cut off your name from the earth. Then what will you do with your great name? Joshua has been inside himself. He can't see what's going on. Joshua's beside himself. He falls on his face before the Lord and says, What's going on? What's happening? Now, this is the first thing right he's done. <laughs> this is the first thing he's done right. He's going back to the Lord and he falls on his face. He's saying to the Lord, I thought you gave us this land. You told us we would be conquerors. We had a great victory. What, what, what are you doing here? Why, aren't we, why isn't this working? I thought there wasn't going to be any defeats. Victory's been our battle cry. Now all of a sudden we're running away with the tail between our legs. What's happening here? Because of defeat, Joshua thought the Lord had either deserted the nation. Where were you? Where are you? Or worse, he thought that God wasn't capable of doing what he said. Wow. Sometimes when our prayers aren't answers and we come into defeat, we have those same thoughts. Lord, you've left me. Maybe you can't handle this situation. Wow. You don't know my God. You don't know the God that we serve. If you ever think like that, you need to get back and say, no, I know you can handle these situations. And I need to get right with you. You might think that after falling into trespass, you might say the same thing. God's deserted me in my hour of need. One of the biggest questions I get is, I fell. Why didn't God stop me? Because you have free will. You have a choice to make. You chose to do those things. You chose to do those things. But Joshua knows that if God and his hands not on Israel, if the blessing is, is there and his guidance isn't there, he says it would have better, been better for us to stay in the promised land. Likewise, victorious Christian, if you're not going to follow the Lord, if you're not going to do what he says, if you're going to fall into sin and do those things, Why? Why pull your hair out? Why follow them in the first place? It would be better that you didn't accept. Why follow them? Fall on your face terribly. If God doesn't deliver them, he knows they'll be lost. And when you see someone tear their clothes in the Old Testament, they tear it in a sign of disgust. It means they're angry and they tear their clothes. Putting dust on their head is the same thing. It's a way of mourning. Joshua here is not mourning the death of the 36 people. As much as he's mourning the loss and the blessing of God's guidance. He's mourning the loss and the blessing of God. And the victorious Christian knows too well that if God isn't in it, there's no blessing. If God is not in it, there is no blessing. And that's why we try to follow him in everything we do. As a church, we try to follow God. We want God in it. And I've been in situations where God hasn't been in it, and we've withdrawn. We said, God's not in it, we'll shut it down. If God's not into doing something, we shouldn't be doing it. If God's not into it, if there's no fruit, and things aren't happening, we shouldn't be into it. But sadly, here's what happens. Man says, I'll prop this up. God may not be in it, but he will soon, and I'll prop it up. I'll do everything I have to do to keep it going. That's dangerous, folks. There's danger in that. You'll see what happened here. The self-confident. We can handle this guy. There's hardly anybody up there. Nothing like the city of Jericho. That was a breeze. We can take care of this. We get too cocky. We get too self-confident. We can do this. We can't do this. If God's not in it, there is no abundant life. There is no abundant life. How will this affect your name, Joshua says? How is this going to affect your name? This shows that Joshua's overriding concern is not only for that Israel's going to be defeated, but he's worried about the name of God being dishonored. Do you worry about that? That's one of my biggest fears. It's one of my biggest, biggest fears is that I would do something that would dishonor my God. Oh, how I ache sometimes thinking that I might do something that would dishonor him. Our greatest disappointment when we stumble should be that we might have caused reproach to the name of God. In 2 Samuel 12, David is confronted by the prophet Nathan after his sin. And that's a beautiful, beautiful passage. He's confronted, 12.14 to be exact. There are consequences when you cause the Gentiles or someone to blaspheme the name of God. There are consequences. One of the consequences was the 36 men of Joshua's group died. But look what happens to David. He's told, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also who was born to you shall surely die. This is the child that he had with Bathsheba when he committed adultery with her. They had a child. He's talking about that child. There's consequences when we allow God's name to be blasphemed. It's a scary, scary situation. See, God wanted Israel to be victorious. God wants us to be victorious. He's given us all the tools to be victorious. But he wanted them to trust him in all things. He wanted them to obey their commands. Likewise, he wants the victorious Christian to be victorious over sin. You are sure.
0: We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you, but sadly that's all we have time for today. Be sure to tune in again, though, to Pastor Dave's continuing verse-by-verse study through the book of Joshua on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we'd like to invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. In this busy world, setting time aside to study the Bible in depth is difficult, so we'd like to make that just a little bit easier. By subscribing to our podcast, you'll have sound biblical teachings sent right to your smartphone or your computer. What a great way to infuse your day with God's Word. If you're looking for a church family and happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to have you join us for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m., and continue to walk through the Bible on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. We have child care available, so bring your entire family. You can find out more at assurehoperadio.com or give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Thanks for listening to today's message from the book of Joshua. Pastor Dave will be back soon for another in-depth look at this fascinating book right here on Assure Hope.